Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. This is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to the church and to God's people to help empower them to be able to share the good news and also meet us in our own needs when we need comforting. We're so grateful that you're here with us. And if this is your first time, we say a special welcome to you and say thanks for checking us out and would invite you to click on the digital connection card up here in the corner and just let us know who you are and how we can pray for you. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you also. We want to share that today we will be celebrating uh, communion together at the end of the message. And so if you will, grab a cracker or a small piece of bread and some juice or even a cup of water will we'll work in this moment as we celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf to give us life as he established the new covenant. And as we gather here online, there's a couple other things we want to make you aware of. One, our friend Harold Myers is celebrating his birthday today with a party in the community here, but we still want to invite you to be part of that. If you haven't sent him a card, and there's uh, the information here in the worship notes, his birthday isn't until next week, actually, so you're more than welcome to, if you haven't already, send him a card and wish him happy birthday. I know that he was only hoping for 100 cards, but based on the pictures I've seen from his grandson's Facebook page, uh, it's been well more than that. Even some cool, cra crazy swag he got from Arby's, which is one of the places he likes to go, crazy, cool uh, Hawaiian shirt with Arby's uh, roast beef sandwiches all over it. But we just want to encourage Harold as he celebrates this amazing milestone of 100 years being on the earth. And then we also want to share that next week we will be inviting our graduates, Zeke Taylor and Maya Fowler and Liz Walter, to share their story as what God's going to do with them as they lean into this next chapter having graduated. So this is Pentecost Sunday, and as we look at what it means to have the Holy Spirit come, I want to just begin with this short video that lays out what, what took place thousands of years ago there in the book of Acts. What happened that day when the Spirit arrived, when the Holy Spirit came? What happened then? It got loud, loud enough to be heard all over town. Fire appeared, divided and dispersed to each of them. The outsiders came running, and they heard the fire talkers tell of God's mighty works in their own language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. The Spirit had come to describe the glory of God in their native tongues through those who followed Christ. These representatives of the world stood astounded but curious, bewildered but ready. Then Peter showed them from the scripture exactly what it meant, revealing God's promise to all who trust in Jesus. And many believed and many repented, and many were baptized, and many were saved. The Spirit had come. The church was born. The cool thing is, is we see the power of the Holy Spirit as he comes to walk amongst us to encourage us day by day 
We then can lean into all the tasks that are in front of us. And he is the comforter, as Jesus said. And so it's that comfort that we take when life is kind of crazy. It's also the comfort and the power that we get from the Holy Spirit to be able to share our faith with others. We're in our series called Witness, and we're gonna begin leaning into some practical ways of how do you do that as we've navigated these witnessing principles about how the moment we're in doesn't pause the mission that God has placed us on, as Ed Stetzer says, and, and how we need to confront the culture, but we need to do it with kindness, and how as we live our lives fully, that even the idea that we can't ignore our pain, that our pain can actually be helpful to help others understand what God's doing. So this past week, I had a phone conversation with a person who had responded to a voicemail I had left about some work that needed to be done at our home, uh, some warranty work on a project that they had completed. When they called me back the next day after I had left a voicemail, it was interesting that the person on the phone said, I'm going to call about your problem and see if we can resolve it. But before we get to that, I have a question for you. And I was a little surprised by that. I said, sure, what can I do for you? They went on to say, when you left your voicemail yesterday, you ended your voicemail with the word blessings. And anybody that knows me, that's just the way I tend to end any conversation. Sometimes it happens just because it's habit. But, but I really do intend the idea of blessings to you, uh, the person I'm talking to and engaging with, as they go on about whatever life has got for them in that moment. But this person was surprised by that because of just some things that they were pushing through. They wanted to have a conversation about that word. And it was interesting as we talked, it's all about the unsettled times we're living in. They admitted that they're not a person of faith that they're not really what they said, a religious person, to which I was able to say, well, neither am I, but I am a spiritual person. And the cool thing was I was able to share with them in the conversation, and we eventually did get to the matter at hand, but it was just amazing how God used that conversation. And I was able to share with them about one tool that could be very helpful to them, which is the YouVersion Bible app. It's something that we use here regularly. We would invite you, if you aren't already following us on the YouVersion app, to do so. There's actually a QR code here that you can snap a picture of, and it will open up the app, and you can sign up for it. It's all free. I think there's some 28 million users worldwide, which is incredible. There's all sorts of Bible versions that you can take a look at. The thing that I know that we value here in our outpost is the Bible plans that get shared. It's such an encouraging thing to see the daily postings that our people put up on their social feeds just to encourage as they do, do the daily word and as well as they read their own Bible plans. If we just live out our life that way of being faithful to what God asks us to do, that there's amazing things that can happen. Now I know when we talk about witnessing and we think about who the Holy Spirit is, I want us to see that there's a purpose behind it. And not all of us are called to do things in the kingdom in the same way. But let's begin with this parable here uh, about a fishing trip. Suppose there was a group who set out for a fishing trip. The group was led by a guide who they trusted would lead this looks them to like fish. A good spot. Plenty of fish here. He led them to water, but the group became full of excuses for why they couldn't fish. Some people came on the trip dressed the part and full of great fishing stories but never seemed to do anything. Some claim they did not have the heart for fishing. I can't fish. Hooking a worm? 
It's just too cruel. But you know it's a rubber worm, right? Some said the work should be left to those whom were more skilled in the art of fishing. Carl, he's really good at casting. Shouldn't he be doing all the fishing? No, no, you can do it. It's really simple. Look, some claim that fishing was not their gift. Hey, uh, uh, fishing's really not my thing. In fact, it scored a zero on my spiritual gifts test, so... No, we could still really use your Before help. the guide could yeah. finish, Carl interrupted it. I think I got one! Hey, great! You mind helping out with some of the others? No, it's okay. Carl was more impressed with catching fish on his own than he was in helping people out, like Greg here. I got a small problem here. My line's a little tangled up. Oh, my goodness. How in the world did that... Some of the people fishing said they just didn't have time to fish. Matt, where are you going? Oh, yeah. I, I have an appointment um, thing that's going around. It's okay. It's okay. I, got a, I got a stick. It's doing great. It's great. Whoa. And some people, well, they just had problems. Hey, uh, my hook's caught on something. What's it caught on? If everyone did their part, imagine the fish that could be caught. Right, so many crazy things there. Different people, different wiring, different abilities. But the fact is that once we come to know who Jesus is, then the next thing that happens in our spiritual journey is the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives. We receive him as a person to encourage us. So then in those moments when we are just dealing with life, we can know that he is there to walk alongside us. But before we get into that, let me just go back to some fundamentals because I think in so many churches, the idea of who the Holy Spirit is is something that gets lost. We spend a lot of time talking about Jesus because we celebrate Christmas and Easter and everything in between. But what the Holy Spirit does for us, it's really his power that equips us to be a witness. But let me just begin by unpacking who or what is the Holy Spirit. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the identity of who the Holy Spirit is. There are some who view the Holy Spirit as this mystical force, like in Star Wars, uh, others understand that the Holy Spirit is as an impersonal power that God makes available to the followers of Jesus Christ. What does the Bible say about the identity of the Holy Spirit? Simply put, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is God. The Bible also tells us that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. He is a being with a mind and emotions and a will. And how do we know this? Well, in the Bible, we find that the Holy Spirit can be grieved, it says. We read that the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. We read that he makes decisions according to his will. And so the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he is God. He's the third person. As God, the Holy Spirit can truly function as the comforter and the counselor that Jesus promised he would be. Now, in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it tells us that if a person does not possess the Holy Spirit, he or she does not belong to Christ says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Or Paul says in Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, where we're taught that the Holy Spirit is the seal of salvation for all those who believe. Having believed, he says, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. So as we've answered the first question of who he is, 
Then the second question is, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? And it's simply this. We receive the Holy Spirit by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Then when do we receive the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit becomes our permanent possession the moment that we believe in Jesus. So here's a couple more points about who the Holy Spirit is. First, the Holy Spirit is a person, Matthew 28, 19, and 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The Holy Spirit is God, Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. The Holy Spirit is eternal and holy. That's John chapter 9, verse 14, and Romans 1, 4, and Romans 5, verse 5. And then the Holy Spirit is omnipotent and omnipresent and an omniscient. And we see that in Zechariah 4, 6, Psalm 139, 7 through 8, and 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10. So here's the way it works. If you've claimed Jesus as your Savior and the ruler and Lord of your life, the Bible teaches us that you have the Holy Spirit, period. Now, the sad part about this is there are many people who have this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit, yet they do not allow him to affect their lives. It's sort of like our friends here from the fishing expedition, right? They all had fishing poles, but everyone had a different perspective about how they were going to toss their line in. Some the line was messed, but, but as we live into who God is, and as we live into what the Holy Spirit wants to do to equip us, it's a partnership. And it's how we should spend our time. Why, on a regular basis, we talk about the importance of Scripture reading, of being part of the YouVersion community, if you will. So, you know, what's crazy to me is that the Holy Spirit is God in us, and that He is all-powerful, and He's all-knowing, and He's all-loving, and He's the person who created everything, and He's the person who conquered death, who did all these miracles. That power lives inside us. In fact, we say, Paul reminds us, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the power that's available to us. And yet many of us don't lean into tapping that power. We have the same power inside of us. And for many, it has no effect on their lives because they don't rely on him to change them from the inside out. So then we get to a third question. Why do we have the Holy Spirit anyways? We look to John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. If, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you, Jesus says. For a lot of us, we could ask the question, if you can have Jesus physically present with you, or the Holy Spirit, who would you have? I think many of us would say Jesus. It's interesting that Jesus said he had to go because the helper was better for us. When Jesus says this, we need to understand and respect it. So let's take him at his word, and let's go with whatever he says. What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit? What does it mean for our lives? Now, Pentecost, which is this Sunday that we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, took place after Jesus' resurrection and after he ascended to heaven. And he promised at that point that he was going to send the helper and that we needed to wait. And we read about that in the second gospel of Luke, because uh, Dr. Luke is the author of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And so if you want to know how the church started and what it looked like, you can read that book. And all throughout the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is active and changing lives. And that same Holy Spirit described in these books is the same one that dwells and moves today, right here and right now. There are a lot of things that we can learn what the Holy Spirit does in us, 
But I'm going to focus on just three. Let me share the three big things we can walk away with when we realize we have access to the Holy Spirit of God. And this helps us when we think about our witnessing, about understanding how do we share the hope that's in us in a bold way with those around us. Well, first, he turns a timid heart into a bold one. Look here in Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. And what's amazing is Peter, he went from denying Christ three times to preaching at Pentecost. Peter was once fearful to the point of denying who Jesus was when he was asked by a little girl if he knew Jesus. But with the great power of the Holy Spirit working in his life, Peter became bold to the point of preaching the name of Jesus in front of a crowd of these 3,000 people. Now, we know this much, right? Power can be used in at least two ways. It can be unleashed or it can be harnessed. The energy in 10 gallons of gasoline, and that's like a gold right now, right, can be released explosively by dropping a lighted match into the can. Or it can be channeled through the engine of a Honda Civic in a controlled burn and used to transport a person 350 miles. Explosions are spectacular, but controlled burns have a lasting effect, or what we would say a staying power. The Holy Spirit works both ways. At Pentecost, he exploded on the scene, showed up. His presence was like the scripture says, tongues of fire. It says that in Acts chapter 3. It says that thousands were affected by one burst of God's power. But he also works through the church, and that's you and me to this institution that God began to tap the Holy Spirit's power for the long haul through worship and fellowship and service. Those of us who follow Jesus, we are provided with a staying power. So here's why it matters when we talk about our witness. What's in it for you that you wish you can do for the Lord, but you are limited because you are afraid? You see, many of us, we deny Jesus daily with our words and with our actions. So back to the story of the person that called me on the phone. That was a little awkward at first. I mean, I'm a pastor, and and I've shared the gospel many times, but it totally caught me off guard. And it reminded me how the words that I speak can have a lasting impact. And I think we all sort of feel that in a very real way. There are some times where we just would rather not address it. And that's, again, we could look back at these rocks that we've navigated around. In week two, we talked about uh, the quote from Ann Vonskamp about how our words need to be spoken that will build our soul. And those are words that work both ways, words that are encouraging, but also words that make statements about what needs to be true as we think about just the culture and the things we are finding ourselves in the midst of in this battle of bringing about the kingdom. And it's in those moments when we're willing to risk it that God will use it. I know that God has called me to preach, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit who gives me the boldness and the ability to stand in front each week and even do this online, the point is, is the Holy Spirit can turn a timid heart like mine into a bold one. The writer of 2 Timothy says in chapter 
1 verse 7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. Okay, so he turns a timid heart into a bold one, and then he turns a hardened heart into a passionate one. Continuing here a little later in the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, he says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogue in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. The way is what Christianity was called in its early days that he found there, the writer says. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And let's jump down to verse 26. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were afraid of him. No kidding, right? They did not believe he had truly become a believer. And then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. And when the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Whoa, this is amazing. I mean, is this the same guy? It sounds like two different people being described, doesn't it? And I have to admit, as I have thought about this conversation I had last week, and for me, that's why we're talking about this series called Witness, just thinking through how do we in this current time offer the hope that we know as Christ followers to those around us, and how we need to become even more passionate, just like Paul did, about teaching about mercy and grace and justice. You see, Paul's conversion on the Damascus Road was a motivating force in his life. It changed everything. Grateful for the gift of grace he had received at salvation that came in later years, the apostle told many people about his encounter with the resurrected Jesus and its impact on him. You and I both have a story to tell, just like Paul, of his mercy, of God's mercy that saved us and the new life that we get to live in him. So here's the idea. The more we understand what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf, the greater will be our passion to share the gospel. Developing a vibrant faith is going to take time and energy. Plus, it's going to take a commitment to obey God, which means pushing into regular Bible study that will strengthen your beliefs and that will give you courage to speak. Uh, Caring about the spiritual welfare of others will also move you into action. That's why we're talking about this. Do you have a passion to serve Jesus wherever he leads? And that's really where we find ourselves. So he turns a timid heart into a bold one. The Holy Spirit turns a hardened heart into a passionate one. And then finally, the Holy Spirit turns a dead heart into an alive one. Paul says in Romans 8, 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Now, what does a dead heart consist of? Well, for one, if you don't know Jesus, your heart does not belong to him and it's spiritually dead. But it's also possible for believers to have a dead heart as well. How does that happen? It happens when we're selfish. 
And unfortunately, I think that's the criticism that we can lay at the foot of many churches today, that we're selfish about the experience that we want and that what we're used to and that we don't want change. And yet, as I've talked to many pastors, talked to a friend yesterday on the West Coast whose church is closing at the end of September, partly because people are not willing to lean into these more difficult conversations in our culture. And I'm not talking about, you know, going around with tracks and knocking on doors, but talking about doing life with people, offering the opportunity to engage people where we find them, and not to be so wrapped up in the style of worship or the kind of music or just all those kinds of things, but about building relationships with people. Because you see, when we're full of ourselves, we cannot be filled with anything else. When it's all about what I want and not about what the Holy Spirit wants to do, then it creates problems. When we are full of our passions, desires that are not of God, our hearts are dead to what God has desired for us. When we learn to lean on the Holy Spirit, our hearts become burning for what brings glory and honor to God. It doesn't matter how dark or how deep or how wide or how awful or how embarrassing or how bad you think your past is, God can change your dead heart into a beating one and change you from the inside out. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord as the Lord of your life, and to call on his name. D.L. Moody said, I firmly believe that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition in the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. We must be empty before we can be filled. So as you think about how you fill your day, how you fill the, these various corners of your life, lean into asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what it is that he desires for you. And like we saw the story of the fishing trip, each of us are wired in a different way, and yet together we can sort out what it is that God wants to do with us. And as we think about what that looks like, and for some of us that means we'll, we'll have gospel-centered conversations, or we'll have the opportunity to invite people into other conversations. Maybe it's when we get to serve, whether we're back down at St. Luke's in a couple months or even here in a week or so, we're going to be serving uh, with people, helping people downtown at 3rd Street, the daily meal that they do. And yet, I think in this current season, as we think about just all the things that we're pushing into, as we continue to just hear story after story of, with the, the craziness of the shootings that have taken place in the school in Texas and even recently at the hospital in Tulsa, those things aren't going to go away until we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit individually and then corporately as we bring to bear the kingdom in a practical sort of way. So let's pray now. God, we just pray for your, as we celebrate this day of Pentecost to be reminded of the power that has been given to us, the same power that you used to raise Jesus from the dead, that Holy Spirit, you are there to give us power to have conversations and to bear witness of the hope that's in us. We just pray that you would work in and through us and help us build a deeper relationship with you. And we just thank you for the life you've given us, Jesus, and we pray in your strong name. Amen. As we gather here online, let's continue with our act of worship through the celebrating of the memorial meal, communion together on this Pentecost Sunday. The Apostle Paul says, for I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, 
After supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so in these moments, it's where we get to give thanks to God for his amazing creative power, for the power that redeems us and it gives providential care throughout all the ages. From the beginning of the history of Israel, as Jesus' disciples were there that night in the upper room to celebrate the Passover meal, to now establishing the coming of Jesus Christ, and then God's word made flesh through Jesus. And so in this moment, we get to remember the birth and life and death, and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And we pray for his coming again in glory to reign. And it's in that that we get to offer our lives to God in thanksgiving and praise as we remember Christ and we celebrate this meal. And so we also get to, on this Pentecost Sunday, in a special way, pray for the power of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ might be spiritually present in our homes as we celebrate this meal online, that we might be spiritually nourished by this act, this remembering of the body and the blood of Christ that we would be united with Jesus Christ and to be one in his body as the church, that we might go forth to feed and to serve others as we have been fed and we have been served, that we might remain faithful and watchful in prayer until we get to do this with Jesus Christ in glory. So with that, let's take a moment and pause and reflect on what Jesus has done for us. And then I would invite you to take and to drink. Eat and drink all that Jesus has done for you. And as we conclude, let's use the words of the Lord's Prayer 